This is the podcast for the journal Genetics and Medicine, published by Springer Nature. It's the official journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics. I'm Cynthia Graber. Racist ideologies have been embedded in the history of human genetics since the very beginning. Carl Linnaeus, for example, divided humans into four, quote, varieties. Charles Darwin also saw humans as genetically distinct races. And so those Europeans who were building ideas about genetics, their views of how groups of humans differed from one another was built into the way they designed and understood their research. And so just to be really specific, early thinkers in biology, zoology, and genetics would structure the human species into groups according to racial identification. And they called it different names and they sometimes thought about it in in different ways, but ultimately they were breaking the human species down into groups that they viewed as biologically different. Kyle Brothers is an associate professor of pediatrics at the University of Louisville, and he's one of the authors of a special article in the journal Genetics and Medicine titled Taking an Anti-Racist Posture in Scientific Publications in Human Genetics and Genomics. Robin Bennett is a genetic counselor at the University of Washington Medical Center and program director for the university's new genetic counseling program, and she's another author of the paper. I think that it's important to realize that these categories then became a hierarchy of superiority with white or Caucasians being at the top of this uh, superiority scale, and then uh, others classified based on not only where they lived, but quote, characteristics of things like laziness or thresholds to pain that were not in any way scientifically made those categories. This line of thought influenced early human genetics research and the emergence of eugenics in the 20th century. Today, however, scientists understand that race does not have a biological basis. What we think of as racial categories have have no biological basis. In reality, the gene pool of humanity is a spectrum that folks who are descended from locations very close to one another are likely to share common ancestors that have some similarities in the frequencies of certain genetic variants. And folks who are descended from ancestors who live very far apart are more different, but there's no clear boundaries. There's no distinctively African genetic variation or distinctively European genetic variation. As a matter of fact, the variation within what we identify as sort of racial groups, the variation within those groups is greater than the variation between the groups. Even so, there are ways in which racial categories have influenced the research and practice of genetics, such as early recommendations that only African-American newborns be screened for sickle cell anemia. But it turns out that basing recommendations on what is seen as race meant that a lot of cases were missing. Now the recommendations are that all newborns be screened for sickle cell. Mildred Cho, professor in the Department of Medicine at the Stanford Center for Biomedical Ethics, is the third author on the paper. When scientists try to use these categories, and also clinicians try to use these categories, there's a conceptual, uh, you know, a really fundamental conceptual problem with using categories that are discrete to try to represent something that is really not discrete at all. And it comes with this idea, an assumption that if there are races that are these discrete categories, they're pure. There's such a thing as a pure race. And as we all know, that's really problematic and doesn't match 
at all in terms of how real life actually is. While there are certainly potential genetic differences that are relevant to healthcare in smaller geographically distinct groups, such as, for instance, the Amish, those groups aren't represented if you present race as, say, Asian, which both has no meaning genetically and is far too large to be meaningful for research on populations that might indeed share common variants. We saw as editors of the journal Genetics and Medicine, we saw submissions from authors really struggling with how to do this right. How do we utilize the idea of race in our studies? How do we utilize the idea of genetic ancestry in our studies? How do we talk about that in in publications? And so we saw a need to provide guidance for the authors who were looking for the, the right way to do this. And we also were interested as members of this publishing in genetics and genomics, this sort of enterprise, how can we use our particular place in the the process of science to really start the process of disassembling the effects of systemic racism that started with Linnaeus and Darwin and start to help pull those ideas out of genetics and genomics. The result is their paper, which presents and elaborates on eight anti-racist principles. One of those, in fact the first listed, is that race should be included in research on healthcare, but only as a socio-political category, and particularly where health disparities are observed. I think another important one is that the, the tradition of comparing normal to a white quote, population, and then all other populations are compared to that as normal. The principle in the paper states, basically, don't do this. Don't assume that a white population is the norm. Another goal that we had was to help researchers decide what words to use. And one of the problems that comes up in genetics and genomics in particular is that one of the recommended ways of speaking about Black Americans is to use the term African-American. And by analogy, uh, sometimes the term European-American is used. But that's very confusing in genetics and genomics because those kinds of terms sound like they're talking about genetic ancestry. And so we recommended using the terms Black and White even though those have their own kinds of problems and you know lack of, of accuracy, it is important in genetics and genomics to use those terms because it helps us remember the difference between race, a socio-political category, versus continental genetic ancestry. So we just want to be really clear to keep those two ideas separated from one another. Yeah, one of the things I'm hoping that this paper will do is call out the assumptions behind the use of race and help people make distinctions between how race is used as a social political category, which correlates with health outcomes, and also how it's used as a biological variable. So I think a lot of the principles that we had were really about helping people disaggregate those and making suggestions for how to use categories such as genetic ancestry and sociopolitical race in ways that are, I think, more true to the biology and health research that the journal publishes. The authors recognize that the principles they've laid out are right now just principles that scientists should adhere to and not yet full action items. The journal Genetics and Medicine is now investigating how to turn these principles into policies. We are in the process right now of starting conversations with stakeholders 
to develop our own policies based largely on these principles. And one of our goals of not just making a policy, but putting out the commentary first was we wanted to engage other journals in genetics and genomics to participate in this conversation as well and maybe develop their own policies. And we hope that we can start to work towards best practices that all of the journals are following. And, you know, that will not only, you know, help with the way that the research is communicated in journals, but will have upstream effects that if, if scientists know this is the way journals are thinking about these issues, it will help guide some of the design questions that come up. Though the eight principles are a good start, Dr. Brothers says they aren't the end of the work that needs to be done on this topic. The term Asian is problematic for a number of reasons. It is ambiguous whether you're talking about a racial group or a genetic ancestry group. It's also problematic because Asia is giant and it has numerous populations within it. And so ignoring the variation within that group is sort of problematic as well. And so guidance on, well, what do we say then? What, what, how do we study groups in Asia? How do we break them down? That sort of thing. It's work that still needs to be done, and our paper is too short to really deal with those things uh, in detail. Dr. Cho says she sees some challenges ahead as well as opportunities. I know from talking with researchers for many years that it's going to be challenging to try to persuade people to use race only as a social political category when it's not clear necessarily what they should do instead, given that a lot of the samples that people are using for human population research have already been collected. These efforts are really going to involve a lot of education and dialogue with the entire scientific community because scientific publishing is a peer-reviewed activity. So we're going to have to really engage the peers, the reviewers, other editors and other journals, and hopefully try to get everybody moving together in the same direction. To read the full paper, including all eight principles, along with detailed explanations for each one, go to www.nature.com GIM podcast. Genetics and Medicine is the official journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics and is published by Springer Nature. I'm Cynthia Graber.